We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Player and team developments we are expecting or hoping or looking for. That's what we're talking about today on Stealing Bananas. I'm Ben Gretsch. You can find me on Twitter at Yards Per Gretsch. You can find my substack at bengretsch.substack.com. With me, as always, is Sean Siegel. You can find all of his work at Rotoviz. And Sean, we're sort of sort of still figuring out our our structure for the show. But once again, this week, we just want to talk. It's early in the season. We want to talk about what we think is going to happen. We, we talked on the, on the second show this week on Wednesday about how uh, these first three weeks have been a little bit more uh, have included a little bit more variance than, than typically the first three weeks of a season do in, in terms of, you know, what we expect to be sort of the major storylines of 2021. And so we want to just talk again today about what we think might happen next. And it's been interesting to sort of track the different teams by structure. Now, three weeks is way too early to draw conclusions. I mean, people want to make conclusions about if robust running back works, if zero running back works, if a, a more traditional format works through three weeks, you know, or a bunch of random injuries. We need to see the full picture. But it's still interesting to do. It's very human to do. You and I drafted a lot of different types of teams. We drafted a, a running back times three start with one of these draft spots that was a little bit later. That team is not doing well. It has Barkley Taylor Swift, I think, as the first three picks, if I'm remembering properly. And if not for Jonathan Taylor, I mean, there'd be a lot of enthusiasm here because Swift so far basically has hit. He is still splitting a lot of touches with Williams. I noted in one of my pieces this week that the touchdown that Williams scored did come right after a stretch where it went swift reception, swift rush, swift reception, swift rush. This, the last of those was a stuff at the one-yard line. If he gets in, he looks even more like a star. This looks like less of a split backfield. But, I mean, the Lions have been using their stars, which we like to see. That drive, I think 10 of the 12 touches in that drive went to these two running backs. Jamal Williams, a good player, not to the level of Swift, but they're using these guys properly. So we like to see that. Taylor, as you mentioned, I, I went through this game, and it was mind-boggling what the, the Colts did. And while it's pretty frustrating to see how Taylor was just slashing through the Titans as if they weren't even there. And then they just sabotaged a ton of drives with horrible Carson Wentz plays. I do think it's going to be very heavy Jonathan Taylor going forward. You mentioned in our last show that he had a downstretch last year and then just completely tore the roof off down the stretch. 
the big development in week three was that Saquon Barkley caught passes. Saquon Barkley scored from the one-yard line. You're not going to get a one-yard score every game, but those receptions were very encouraging. He looked explosive. It's kind of interesting to kind of contrast this team with the team we drafted with Davis, which was a Barkley-Taylor start, and then like eight consecutive wide receivers. That team, I think, is in second place and had a 180-point performance, and part of it is whether or not you do hit on guys early on. Now, how those teams look down the stretch will depend on where everybody is after a full week or a full year, I'm sorry, of play. The fact that we have Mike Williams in the lineup with Davis, that makes a difference, right? It's not ever something where the guys who are scoring points don't influence who's winning. But when we look at some of these players that we have exposure to, like Hill, Diggs, and even C.D. Lamb's bad week three, and where we are from a points perspective, I'm very, very encouraged by that because I think a lot of the big performances as we go forward are going to come from our guys. Are, are you encouraged by our players? Do you like the structure? I, I have to think that after week three, we're now actually kind of excited that we have so many shares of Barkley. We talked about how we don't do it very often. We're trying to limit the number of running backs we have early. We have seen how having running backs and they don't score and your team is thinner the rest of the way through, you're not going to get as many wide receiver points either. So if Barkley has a bad start and Jonathan Taylor has a bad start and then your wide receivers aren't as good, then your team just simply isn't good. But yet moving forward, there are a lot of things to like. And then I you know, also contrast that with the team that I drafted with Column, where we took Travis Kelsey and then like 10 wide receivers and people are like, do you guys understand the format? It's like, it's not a start 10 wide receiver format. <laughs> and yet through through three it should weeks, be right it should be i mean why not through three weeks we are one point out of first place because if you have travis kelsey and a lot of wide receivers i mean it's just kind of hard to be bad right right and i think there are people who went very receiver heavy that are concerned a lot of, of, of the receiver injuries are you know obviously not not great to see uh, we have some guys like Brandon Cooks and you know Sterling Shepard before this past week that were doing very well from sort of the later draft draft ranges. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned about really any of my teams. I mean, certainly you get a little concerned if your team is buried at all. Luckily, you know, I don't have too many teams that are buried. I have, a, you know, I, I mentioned on the last show that I have one <laughs> in like a in a home league that's in last in points, which has just been sort of hilarious because of a bunch of in, in-game injuries and all sorts of crazy things, I still think that team's going to be right there at the, at the top and make the playoffs. I mean, I don't, I don't have any concerns with the roster. It, it comes down to sort of looking at your team and, and, and trying to make these decisions. One thing that I think we have seen when I talk about the variance in the first three weeks and those things is that teams are reacting, I think, a little bit to the 17-week week regular season. I think they're some of these injuries have been been very serious, but I think they've been a little bit quicker to to be careful with guys in the early part of the year. You brought up, you know, Saquon Barkley, like he seems totally fine here in week three. Kind of questions like the way that they were treating him in weeks one and two, but they knew they had a Thursday night game in week two. They had a short week. They took things a little bit lighter with him in the first two games. I mean, I think he's just going to open up and be great going forward. Uh, you know, the, the, there's still some some New York Giants related issues, but otherwise, I think you have to feel great about Barkley going forward. Uh, Joe Burrow comes to mind immediately, right? Like we, we knew he was kind of struggling in the in the preseason. He did 
suffered that uh, you know major knee injury late in in the season. I think it was late uh, November, and so he wasn't all the way you know back. They didn't have a full year like some of these guys like Barkley who who suffered his injury in week two. There is a pretty big difference, you know, a couple months of, of rehab difference when you suffer your injury right away in the beginning of the season compared to later in the year. But Burrow is looking a lot more competitive. He scrambled. He ended up with a, a weird rushing when we talked about on Sunday night uh, in, in our initial recap of this week because he kneeled three times. He also scrambled for seven yards on a play that got called back by holding. So he wound up with five official carries for seven yards or something. Three of those were the kneels. But his two actual scrambles that, that counted went for like 10 yards. Then he had another for like seven yards that didn't count. Basically three scrambles, 17 or 18 yards, something like that, which isn't like, you know, amazing rushing value or anything. But it did show that he was willing to kind of take off and move a little bit. He's been efficient as a passer. He's thrown multiple TDs in every game. I think the pass volume for the Bengals, it's just, you know, they've had they've been in some game situations where they haven't had to push the pass. And, and then it's been pretty clear, in my opinion, that they've just wanted to take it a little bit slow with Burrow early. I don't think that's the way that this entire season is going to go for the Bengals, especially if they continue to win and they're in games because they, I believe they're two and one right now. If they continue to be in games and have an opportunity to maybe make the playoffs, their best course of action is not going to be to throw the ball 20 times a game. They're, they're going to start opening things up. They're going to start trying to throw to win games. I mean, they did that last year. They showed us that they understand that. Zach Taylor showed us that he understands that. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of, elements right now where teams are sort of taking it a little bit differently in these first three weeks, which I think is really interesting. Um, you know, I was hypothesizing on, in our last show about maybe the Ravens are throwing more just to sort of make that a focal point. We, we talked through that and, and you made some strong points. I think that we probably will see them continue to throw more. We already expected them to throw more, but yeah, I mean, I, it will be interesting to see as we get down to what really matters and that's going to be the playoffs, right? Late in the year when teams are trying to make a push for the, for the, postseason what are the things that they think give them the best chance to win right and and some of those some of the stuff we've seen you know i mean we can go look at like seattle for instance they came out with tempo in week one they're already pulling back they're already doing the pete carroll stuff right and by week three they've already kind of turtle shelled it a little bit and there's some other offenses that we've seen look fantastic the rams the cardinals in that same division both look great 49ers, the other team in that division, I don't know that we know anything about the 49ers. So some of these teams, it's like, well, what are the 49ers going to look like? They're probably going to have Trey Lance under center. We don't know what they're going to look like. You know, it's 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 sort of a case by case basis is the point I'm making. But there are a lot of teams right now, I think, that are doing things that are not going to be the defining things of their season. You kind of wonder a little bit, just I couldn't help but think of it when you're mentioning Trey Lance there. You wonder if the Justin Fields game, I'm, number one, you know, you're watching that game. And Kyle Shanahan is like, I have no idea what they're doing. The other thing he's thinking is maybe my rookie quarterback with a lot of similar elements to his profile needs more time, which is you know kind of what we've been saying already. You look at Zach Wilson's struggles. You look at Trevor Lawrence's struggles. You look at, I mean, I, I'm very much of the mindset that you need to play these guys. I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to benefit from playing. I think that he's going to be very, very good, maybe with a different coaching staff. I mean, there are already some reasons to be skeptical of what Jacksonville's doing, although it takes some time, right? I mean, John Gruden, he comes back with this 10-year, $100 million contract, and they look kind of silly for a while, and people are like, well, the game has passed him by. That's obviously not true, and John Gruden is a great coach. So we're going to see some of these things develop, but Jimmy Garoppolo looked bad 
in week three. And if Lance were ready, you would think that would kind of move a little bit more in that direction. So we'll have to see. One of the encouraging things with the 49ers, Brandon Ayuk finally started to look decent. I mean, he was kind of in that area where we had him just barely behind a couple of other guys as bigger targets. So don't have a huge uh, percentage of him on redraft, have a ton of him in Dynasty, still have him ranked very, very high. I was encouraged to see that. He's got you know such long arms, big hands. He's got the athleticism. He's going to be a dynamo in that offense. It was exciting, Sean, to see that he's better than Trent Sherfield. I, we, we didn't know that through these <laughs> first couple of weeks, but it's, it sounds like he is. The 49ers wanted to him to prove that, right? I mean, you got to prove that you're the better guy. So there was a little bit more from Kittle. Debo still looked good last week, but some of his passes didn't quite uh, get completed there. I, I'm excited for him. We talked about how targeting the third guy in some of these offenses will work. When we come back from the break, let's talk about this Miami Dolphins team. Listeners know our love for Will Fuller. He had the shot in the end zone. There was pass interference that wasn't called, but a variety of interesting things happening with Jacoby Brissett and the Dolphins. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart and use promo code RV radio 2021. That's RV radio 2021. And you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, Ben, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, he's an interesting guy. Had a, a decent season starting for the Colts a couple of years ago. Obviously not to the level he's going to lead you to the playoffs. He's going to win you a Super Bowl. And so teams move on because the goal is the Super Bowl. But we saw him do a little bit of a, a poor man's Ben Roethlisberger. He can fight off the rush, which is important for the Dolphins without an elite offensive line there. He extended some plays. He made what may be the best play of the weekend 
on fourth and 20 when he avoids the rush, throws a 27-yard frozen rope to Mike Gesicki. Gesicki they got involved in this game, even though he didn't have a ton of targets and didn't make the game-winning catch. Will Fuller's ability to go deep seemed to open some things up for some other guys. Now, Kasiki, I have a hard time looking at this on, in an unbiased fashion because he's kind of the other guy that we targeted when we didn't get the elite tight ends. So it was a big boost for us, pushed our ship-chasing team back there uh, into strong competition with the big game. But Jalen Waddle also very, very heavily targeted. The debate or the rhetoric around the Dolphins this week focuses on his depth of target as well, one of the lowest in the NFL. It's interesting that we have Waddle, you have Fuller, you got these two speed guys, two of the fastest guys in the entire NFL. They are using them differently, in part perhaps because one of them has more experience, but we know that they want to get the ball to Waddle, get those yards after the catch, and if you have him on your roster, I think the target volume has to be very exciting. Yeah, that was really interesting. Uh, Waddle, his routes were up with Fuller back. He was more in the slot, more exclusively in the slot than he had been in the first couple of weeks. And then Gesicki also gets a lot of those targets. It, it, you you wonder if it was just a matchup thing because of the fact that they both got so many in the middle of the field, or if that's just where Brissett's comfortable or what have you. But it does seem very, very clear that Parker and Fuller are going to be the outside receivers. Waddle and Gesicki are both going to run routes sort of on the inside. That's the four-man group. I mean, I think Albert Wilson was out in this game. He had played a little bit, but I don't, you know, I don't suspect that. I mean, he might have been even a healthy scratch. I have no idea. But it was very clearly just these four guys. And and Waddle being used like that is is great. He only had like 58 yards on 12 catches, which is that's the part of it that's sort of noise. I think I I, I don't know if I called that noise in, in stealing signals, but I certainly thought about it because he's an explosive player. And if he's getting a bunch of volume underneath, you'd expect him to be able to add some yak and to be able to do some things in a way that, that should be very, very promising for him. And, and the fact that he's running a lot of routes and, and all of that, it, I mean, it looks, it looks great. And on the other side of the field, we also saw the Raiders doing a similar thing with their speedster from Alabama, trying to get Henry Ruggs a variety of different types of touches. This one doesn't have the pizzazz of last week because this week Carr and Ruggs did not hook up on the long target when Ruggs was free behind the defense for what would have been a sort of second consecutive week with a 60-yard touchdown, but they're looking to get him involved as well. I like the fact that we have these guys, number one, with some targets. With Waddle, you mentioned that's the key thing there. When you have a guy with possibly 4-2 speed, I mean, that's been rumored with him as well, that you're going to break some of these plays, right? You're not going to always tackle this guy right after he catches the ball. When you're looking at rugs, we mentioned last week, the underneath targets combined with the deep targets, a lot of different manufactured types of things. The Raiders you know, win another game. They get to three and up. We don't know that the Raiders and the Broncos are completely the real deal yet, but a lot of excitement and enthusiasm surrounding what should be a race to the finish in the AFC West. So, we have rugs on a number of teams. I thought that that was encouraging. We have Waddle on teams where he's kind of the fifth or sixth receiver. And again, that kind of goes back to this depth, including depth with players with a very wide range of outcomes that we're looking to stash and let develop. And it's just so hard when you get a big game from the bench, but you want to be rooting hard for your bench, right? Because as the bye weeks come up, those guys are going to start to move into the lineup. So you don't want to lament those big games from the bench players too much. The other side there with the Dolphins is the running game. I wrote about Miles Gaskin in 
the zero RB watch. He's someone who kind of sits there in the dead zone this season. Obviously, we're off of almost all of the dead zone guys. We don't have him, but I would love to see the Dolphins use him a little bit more, right? He carried 13 times. He gained 65 yards. He's dynamic through the hole, averaged 3.0 yards before contact. Uh, Tyson Williams there and Devin Singletary, the only guys kind of for the season who are ahead of him in that category. And these aren't all blocked yards either, right? His 19% evasion rate is tied for number 10 overall, minimum of 20 attempts, but number 10 overall with guys like Nick Chubb, like James Robinson. Uh, Gaskin, someone, I think when you have this type of playmaking ability, you've got, you've got to use him some, right? He finished out last season with six consecutive games where he was a running back two or better. His first three games of this season, he is a running back two in week one, then two running back three finishes. Obviously, 16.8 points per game last year, down to 10.8 this season. Then he he had 15 expected points in this game, underperformed that in part because he had six targets, only turned those into nine yards. When you have six targets and nine yards, you know that's not going to work out for you. From an efficiency perspective, Malcolm Brown, seven carries, two targets. Uh, Brown fans probably say this is a great run. My view of it was that his 24-yard touchdown, the Raiders sort of forgot that they <laughs> – Nobody, nobody thought that was a good run. That okay. was like one of those, you know, charity events or, or one of those um, ev- events where you have the the ninety five year old coming back who played football in the nineteen forties and and they just let him run, like, and that's how fast he was. That's how fast he was. So I don't have to feel bad, bad about thinking that that was sort of a gift touchdown. Uh, he later had a carries from the one yard and the two yard lines get stuffed on both. Watches Brissett do a fourth and one plunge. You know. It, the fourth and one plunge from the quarterback, especially a guy this size, is a good play. It doesn't mean that they lost con- confidence in the running back, but I would like to think, even with the inefficiency in the passing game for Gaskin in this one, that he's going to be involved a little bit more. Is he someone who would be a buy low, or maybe a very inexpensive buy for a zero running back drafter who maybe isn't getting the production that they want early? And maybe you're, you're buying him not even to put immediately into the lineup, but you think that as the season progresses, he could be somebody who uh, suddenly helps you out a- as the playoffs come along. Brown? Malcolm Brown? No, no, no. Miles Gaskin. Miles oh, Gaskin. Yeah, okay. Sorry. I thought I misunderstood. Or I did misunderstand. Malcolm Brown, the, the frustrating thing was that he got those two greens on touches. Those two, they were right at the goal line. He now has three for the season. Gaskin does not have any. At the same time, this happened early last season with Miles Gaskin. It was Jordan Howard getting all that work. And then Gaskin suddenly started to also get green zone work on top of the fact that he was getting the bulk of the work and especially the bulk of the targets out of the backfield. And so we, we see very similar to what happened with the Gaskin early last season where they're kind of trying to segment some of the other touches out, but he looks like the best player. He's getting the, re- the receiving work, and it might just become very clear very soon that also he's your best bet in the green zone as well. They, the fact that they basically relegated Savon Ahmed to a completely you know unused role, I think he had five offensive snaps all game, I think is a very positive sign for Gaskin. And then you have, yeah, you have Brown getting the long touchdown run, and that is going to matter somewhat in, in the coach's heads, but he looked very slow. It was a well-blocked play where he just ran, and like I still don't think he's finished the the, the 20-yard r- touchdown. Like I'm still waiting for him to get to the end zone. And then the other two times he tried to get the short yardage carries, he didn't get in, importantly. Uh, in week one, or maybe it was week two, his only carry – it was week two, his only carry outside of 
complete garbage time was a fourth down they tried and he didn't convert. He he's actually not been able to convert in these spots where they're using him sort of similar to Jordan Howard early last year. And that and Miami's response last year was like, "Okay, well we don't have a use for you Jordan Howard. We're just going to give the ball to our best back in these short, you know, short down and distant situations." Which, yeah, I mean, look, it hasn't been great for Gaskin that he has zero touches in the green zone and hasn't necessarily gotten that that, you know, rush ep as you as you talk about he's gotten the receiving side so far uh he hasn't got the high value rush attempts but i do think there's still you know the possibility that he gets those just by being better so yeah no he's a clear buy for me right now his role has been great and and uh he looks as good as he did last year there's really i mean i wish i had more miles gaskin i I, like he's a dead zone back we talked about his his range being very wide this year and he's kind of sat in the middle of that he hasn't been the bust and he doesn't look like he's going to be at the bust. He's their best back, pretty clearly. He hasn't been the clear smash, but I think he could be. You know, he could still wind up being a very good player uh, at, at his draft day cost and be somebody who was one of the, the big success stories from the dead zone this year. Well, Ben, we need to let you go. You're going to do some Discord work with your Stealing Signals subscribers. Another great reason to subscribe to Ben and check out all the things that he is doing. I did want to mention as we leave you that uh, Najee Harris, the buy low for him has definitely disappeared after maybe you had a week one opportunity. I mentioned in this week's Zero RB watch that uh, we have seven previous running backs or seven with Harris, I should say, who caught at least 20 passes this century in the first three games, those names, Alvin Kamara, Reggie Bush, Darren Sproles, Frank Gore, Marshall Falk, and Matt Forte. Uh, maybe Frank Gore a little bit surprising to hear on that list, although it is his 2010 season where he did that. You can go to the article, you can check out and see how those backs perform from week four to week 17. Had a great time with you again today. With me as always is Ben Gretsch, whom you can follow at yards per Gretsch. Subscribe to his Substack Stealing Signals. Follow us if you can at Rotoviz. We'd love to have you new things going up on the site all the time. Use the coupon code RVRADIO2021 at discount to get 10% off and save a bunch of money there. Subscribe to our feed. You'll get the episodes a little bit earlier. Please leave us a rating and review if you can. It helps the show move up in the searches. It's been a really fun three weeks. I've had a blast. And this has been managing the teams, doing the pod, looking forward to what happens on Sunday. Looking forward to Stefan Diggs scoring a bunch of points and all those guys scoring a bunch of points. That's right. That's right. It's going to be the, I mean, Stefan Diggs is going to be the highest scoring player in all of fantasy football the rest of the way. You can just put that in stone until we see you again. Wow. Have a great day.